Welcome back to another episode of Beating the Bookies, the third episode for us this week. I am joining Big Joe this episode to talk about some Formula One. We've got the Brazilian Grand Prix, and uh, we're going to cover just some general Formula One stuff, as well as what the two of us are thinking for this weekend. So honestly, I wasn't super keen on betting this race. Um, There's just so many things going on here. Um, Lewis taking a five-place grid drop, but it's one of the easiest tracks on the entire calendar to pass on. Max is... I expected him to look a little bit stronger. Um, I was very, very surprised by how well Bottas handled the sprint race, especially on soft tires. I don't think anybody expected them to be able to last that long, but there is just something that Mercedes has going for them this season in the way that they're able to handle their soft tires. I mean, like they are just so good at protecting those tires, keeping as much life in them as possible. And honestly, the way that Bottas was able to handle Max and keep him behind, especially after Max passed signs so early in that sprint, I was I was very impressed. I'm on the same boat. Um, you know, for me, the big question here is... Uh, how much is that grid penalty going to affect Lewis? Um, in the sprint race today, it looked like almost nothing. Um, he was just carving through the field uh, like a hot knife through butter. Um, obviously, you expect the competition to stiffen up uh, when you go into the real race. That is always how it works. And and you, c- there's almost part of me, um, like we saw today, there's almost part of me that thinks that Verstappen might have purposely gotten second so he could have the inside line and not have what Botas did to him happen in the real race um i'm not saying that that's actually the case but there was part of me in watching today where i was just like man this red bull car does not look um as good as i would have expected it to um that being said i completely agree with you this to me does not strike me as the race to you know put a lot of units out there um to really try and hammer something just because it with all the passing that can happen um there's just not a lot. The variance becomes too high that all the data you have on the front end of the race doesn't matter by like lap 40. Um, but that being said, there are some large term, uh, long term trends that we can look at this track in Brazil, especially, um, and find some good stuff uh, moving forward. Um, but for me, I think the number one thing here, and, and to the, all the people out there, like I am an, uh, a, a new-ish F1 fan. Of course, I know what it is. I'm from Austin. Like, got a lot more exposure um, compared to some of the other Americans. Um, you know, uh, IndyCar is not where it dies for me. But um, I will say this. This year, it's been an, an amazing sort of year. It's been awesome to watch. Um, and it's really been quite a spectacle. I did go to the race in Austin this year. Um, was was really really fun so uh but yeah let's go ahead and talk about some of this brazil stuff just uh go through some of it um you know i the odds and you can see the bookmakers don't really know what's going to happen because the odds are either very very bad or very 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 plus like 
the race winner is Verstappen at minus 135. Um, and then everything else is, you know, Botas is starting at pole is plus 350. Um, I think signs is probably the next best value. Uh, obviously, it's probably Verstappen or Hamilton, right? I think, George, you'd agree with yeah, that. But, yeah, I, um, I, I would agree with you there. Because, I mean, especially if Perez or Botas is leading the race and that guy is in second, they're going to pull over and let him through. Um, but I think the next best bet is Sainz. Um, this track, I think, will suit him very well. Um, he is a guy who sticks his nose in um, and he passes well. Now, he's not nearly as good as his other Spanish-speaking counterpart in Perez, uh, but he's a little bit better at this type of track. What I mean by that is Perez is very much get on my line, and we were talking about this earlier, get on my line, drive fast, um, knock down times, and then pass. Signs is more like I'm going to force myself into the spot that you're already in and you're going to move. Um, I also think Leclerc has a good shot to do a good race. I know we're both Leclerc fans, so... Um, I think that's a good spot for him. But but what are you seeing just in overall of how this race probably finishes? I mean, my thing is, you know, I think that everybody has been saying, you know, Red Bull's got the fastest car. They've got the best car. Um, and I would tend to agree with that. I am one of the people that, you know, I feel like Mercedes has had their day. Uh, they haven't lost the championship as a team since we started the V6 era uh, in 2014. And I really, really would like to see Red Bull come back. Um, honestly, if it were my choice, I would have liked to see somebody else. But that's kind of besides the point right now. I do think that Mercedes has been very strong here. Um, they kind of downplayed how well they thought they would do. Uh, and I think they did that on purpose. Uh, certain teams do that, like uh, McLaren did that going into Russia, and we saw Lando leading the race. He pretty much could have won it had he listened to the team when it started raining. Um, but teams do that to kind of throw everybody off their scent a little bit, and I think Lewis, regardless of you know the rear wing issue, um, his rear wing, they're, they're allowed 85 millimeters when the DRS is open. One side of his wing was a little bit too high. Um, honestly, I would chalk that up to the fact that the cargo planes got stuck in Miami for too long and the teams were working basically overnight in order to get the cars ready for Friday practice yesterday. Um, that's not on Hamilton. So the fact that he had to start the sprint from the back of the grid is not really on him granted it is his car i guess you can chalk it up to saying okay it's kind of his deal um but i do think that mercedes are on the front foot here whereas we expected them to be on the front foot in austin that's a track that they're incredibly strong at uh but we saw red bull kind of take it to them and same thing in mexico uh People complain that Valtteri, you know, didn't left way too much space going into that first turn. Um, and the thing is, he has to leave a car's width of room. Um, so everybody that was kind of poo-pooing Valtteri, I think, doesn't really understand that he needed to, by the rules, leave a car's width of room. Uh, the fact that he got spun out, not really on him. I 
do chalk that up to Danny Rick as much as I love him. Um, he wanted to put the blame elsewhere. It's what happens with drivers. They're, they're very egotistical. Nobody likes to take the blame for anything. Um, but I do... I don't know if I like Hamilton at plus 225. That's just There's just not enough value there for me. He is starting 10th. He made up 14 places today in 24 laps, and I think that was monumental. I think that was a... That is a sign of how good of a driver he is. He can he can pass anybody given the car, uh, which I still believe he has. Mercedes has by far the strongest power unit. As we've seen, it's not the most reliable, but their cars tend to be faster in a straight line than everybody else's. And in a go-kart track like this, I can't, I can't bet against Mercedes. Um, Max is starting P2. That is the inside line going into a left-hander at turn one. He was faster off the line than Bottas was today. Bottas did have soft tires. So, I mean, I think that's yeah. why I think that's why he pulled past him in the first turn. We also, sprint races are also weird. This is the first year we've had them, right? We don't know what kind of fuel loads they're running. We don't know exactly the age of their tires. Um they can't really change engine modes or anything else, um, but we don't know what little minor wing adjustments they made. They might have added a little bit more front wing to that Mercedes uh, for Bottas after qualifying yesterday. Um, there's just a lot of there's a lot of unknowns here, especially because we didn't get three practices, which is you know a great way to be able to see the way that the cars are progressing through the weekend. We didn't get that. Um, so I think that adds a little bit more excitement for us as fans tomorrow. Um, but what I do really like is Verstappen leader after five laps. Um, part of me yeah, liked him after the first lap, but uh, given the 25 cent difference, um, plus 275 leader after first lap versus plus 250 leader after five, I think if he doesn't make that move in the first corner, it's gonna be tough for him to get through the end of that first lap in the lead. But you have DRS that opens at lap three. He stayed pretty much within DRS range of Bottas the entire sprint today. Um, I think they're gonna be really racy tomorrow. Unless Bottas puts on soft tires, um, which I think it would be a little bit silly of him to do. Granted, he did run 24 laps today and stay in front of Max on mediums. Um, I think it's just I think it's just tough uh, for for them to start softs. I don't think Mercedes has the leeway that they've normally had at this point in the season to be able to take risks. They don't have that. They don't have that gap to to Red Bull. They need to be able to stay in front of Verstappen and Perez, who are both in front of Hamilton, which is very tough. Red Bull's able to play the team game tomorrow. I don't like Verstappen leader after the first lap, but I do like him after five. Um, while we're talking about first lap woes, the over 17 and a half, um, I really like that. Um, but going back to the one thing I do want to say about the Verstappen is that's just the value there. Yeah, um, I agree. Like, if I'm giving up 25 cents 
And and like like I said earlier, I'm a little bit newer to F1. This is a track that hasn't been raced. Uh, I think in eight years. Um, just two. They just two. They they missed or last they year because of COVID. It? I don't know. They missed last yeah. year because of COVID, but they they were there in 2019. That's what it was. It, yeah. It, again, I am new, so. Um, George is going to be my guy mostly when it comes to uh, like talking about the history and, and performances and that stuff. But to me and what I've seen, lap three is really a big thing just because you do unlock that DRS. I'm paying 25 cents here on a plus 250 uh, just to get to that DRS zone. Um, I do think in terms of championship standings, Verstappen's that type of guy where you know he's got to seize his moment here. Um, if he goes out and finishes this race first, like it's pretty much almost an unwinnable situation for Hamilton I agree. Um, with being that he's so far back. Yep. So if I'm, I think it's his time to, you know, seize his moment. I think for one unit um, it's worth, he, now it is important to note, he could very easily pass on the first lap. If that's the case, I like him to maintain that spot. I agree. Um, and if he gets in the third lap uh, or the fourth lap, um, into DRS, into that DRS zone. I like him as well, just because that that Red Bull car this year has been supremely reliable and powerful. Uh, um, that's those are just my thoughts on that one. Again, this is a one unit play. It's my smallest one on the board tomorrow. Yep. Um, it's Same. just something that I think is very, very. Uh, I'm gonna say it, it's a it's a, a complete value play, and I like that spot for Hamilton just to go out and finish. Um, in that in, in that spot really really seize the moment early and just try and be, build on it rather than because he's going to need to have that spot because if Botas is in front late if, if he doesn't get out in front of Botas early the Hamilton specter just starts creeping up from behind him um, especially if he goes through the field like he did today yep I fully agree um, I think that Hamilton is going to have to do what he did today um, I think he is going to have to absolutely rip as hard as he can. Um, that being said, I don't think that he has the leeway to be as aggressive as Max can because Max now has a 20-point or 21-point lead after the sprint race today. Um, because he picked up those two points for finishing second. He's got a lot more, Max has got a lot more leeway to be aggressive, um, which I think will lead him to potentially, like we said, you know, if he needs to take a dive into, you know, 11 or 12, um, he can do that. If not, I still like that. I still like that leader after five. Um, I do think that it's not over yet, especially if something happens to Verstappen. Hamilton has a very, very strong track record when it comes to finishing races, as long as he's not colliding with someone named Nico Rosberg or Max Verstappen. Um, he just he still has the record for the longest streak of races finished and the longest streak of races in the points. Um, which was, you know, broken earlier this year in um, in Azerbaijan. Um, but, Is that Baku? Yeah. Yeah, when he had that, that break issue. Um, but 
the other play that I like um, is over 17 and a half drivers to finish this race. Um, normally, I'm a big no safety car guy, especially this season um, because teams have been a lot more comfortable taking penalties um, because they want to figure out the best engines going into next year when the regulations change i think that we have been really lucky as fans to not see a lot of safety cars uh, nascar i would say is a big sport where people love seeing crashes um, but normally when crashes happen in formula one unless they're you know minor little you know somebody spins and hits a wall uh, normally Formula One crashes are pretty bad. Um, you can look earlier in the season and see the Bottas-Russell crash uh, in the rain. That was a horrible crash. You can see the Silverstone crash with Hamilton and Verstappen, 53 Gs. It's the biggest, biggest impact crash. One of the biggest impact crashes that's ever happened in Formula One. Um, we don't like seeing crashes. Um, Safety car restarts make for really fun races for us as fans, but normally what causes those safety cars is not great for us, and it's even worse for the drivers. Um, but I do like over 17 and a half cars. I think the biggest issue in any race is lap one. Um, we saw two retirements last race in Mexico on lap one. Um, that I think in part was because there's not a, there's not a big runoff area and it's a super, super tight turn one. This track is similar to Austin and that there is a big runoff area into turn one. Um, so if anybody feels that they're being pinched, they can run wide. It's not that big of a deal. Track limits aren't enforced on the first lap of a race. They're going to let everybody race. They're going to let what happens happens. I think... As long as we don't see rain tomorrow, which I think the, the chances of that are pretty slim, over 17.5 is a great buy at minus 105. Um, I'm looking at taking that for probably two units. My thought process there is both what I just explained and that you know if we get past lap one, there's not a lot that, that can really go wrong uh, unless there's rain. Rain throws a wrench into anything. Um, but pretty much everybody has a new engine. Uh, Russell took a new engine. Vettel took a new engine in the last race. Um, Hamilton's got a new internal combustion engine. Um, pretty much everybody has fresh power units going into this race. I think if we see any issues, they could be suspension issues. Alpine had suspension issues in the U.S., uh, we talked about this. I mean, you saw it firsthand when you were there. Um, they struggled with the bumps. Um, Brazil is an old track in a country that doesn't have as much money as countries like Belgium, where Spa is, and England, where Silverstone is, to be able to resurface their track pretty much whenever they want to. Not as much racing happens on this track as it does on other tracks. So the pavement starts to settle. Um, these tracks aren't built 
on the firmest ground in the world. Um, they're built on softer ground. Um, we saw that in Coda. I mean, the they had to, they're gonna have to repave the track for MotoGP there because it's so bumpy. Uh, it's unsafe for those guys on two wheels. I mean, it broke both Alpine suspensions. Um, we've got a bumpy track here. I think if anything happens, that's probably going to be the issue. Um, there's just so much. There, there's just, there's just not enough else going on tomorrow for for me to for me to think that more than three cars are going to retire. I'm completely the same way in the sense that. Um... I think obviously the first lap. Whenever you bet an over on races, the first lap is the one you got to get through. Absolutely. Um, after that happens, you're mostly dealing with like we were talking about whether it's, you know, some sort of engine blowout, suspension blowout, power unit failure, braking failure. That's and those to me um, are not going to be as plentiful, especially this year. Just one. Um, because the cars are older, um, you know, they've used this model for a long time now. So, um, mechanics are going to, you know, and we've talked about this, but like, uh, as you race in, in a car and the rules stay relatively the same year after year, your car invariably gets better and better and better. Um, and you get better and better at making sure it doesn't blow up. Um, we've seen that this year, um, save for Austin, uh, there was has not been a lot of suspension issues obviously lewis had the braking issue early in the season um but realistically uh you know our main cars have not gone out even haas is is has been surviving races pretty well yeah um you know they're not winning but they're still finishing yep uh and i think you know like we were talking about first engine or first turn that's the big one um but here you get a nice wide turnout um, the track itself is an overtaker's track. However, that doesn't mean that there's bound to be a lot of crashes. Um, it's not, those two aren't the same, um, which I'm, I'm learning as we're going through. Um, like George said, I'm more of a NASCAR guy, uh, have been. So um, it's definitely a learning curve here. But the over I like on this one, mostly just because um, it's late in the season and these teams know they need points. Um, you're not going to see a guy like, Danny Rick for McL like McLaren um, and Ferrari are, are battling it out. Um, you're not going to see Danny Rick if he's in sixth pushing his nose to get into fifth because he knows they need the sixth place. Like they need those points to be able to move on and yeah. try and compete. He can't risk uh, a retirement. Exactly, um, a retirement is death for a lot of these teams. And in they're not necessarily obviously Red Bull and Mercedes are battling, Ferrari and McLaren are battling, and then the midfield are battling. Um, and I guess McLaren has, like, kind of come out of the midfield to, to contend with Ferrari on that one. Um, I don't know what we're calling. Anyway, the third tier is all competing with each other, and they can't risk these retirements. The best of the rest. Yeah. Um, and, and even then, we're dealing with super reliable cars. Like, that AlphaTauri car has been super reliable all season. Yep. Um, Alpine is probably the one that you're looking at, and you're like, well, there is – a little bit of a of an issue there but like we were talking about earlier they've got um in terms of the best of the rest i would say the best driver duo um fernando alonso world champion esteban ocon won a race this year um now i know that there might be a little bit of pushback from you on that i know you're a yuki guy um a little bit so i'll give that to you but to me if the car is going to be a little bit unreliable i'm going to side with a good driver there 
I like that over 17 and a half. I like it that I'm basically getting it at even odds. Uh, that means if there's two retirements, you're probably looking at, you know, one Haas. Uh, this is all saying without a major wreck um, in the first lap, but you're probably looking at a Haas retirement, possibly an Alpine, possibly an Alpha. Uh, but even then, you've got a guy like on Alpha, Giovinazzi is racing for his seat next year. Like, so he yep. needs to go and get points. Yeah, he has to um, get points. So He has to at least finish. If he crashes or causes a crash, I mean, at this point... The seat's getting announced on Tuesday. It's already decided. We as fans don't know who it is. I mean, I would expect that I would say it's 60-40, like 60 leaning towards it's not going to be him. Um, But, you know, anything can happen there. I think another thing to note is that normally, unless there's a pileup, which we haven't seen a pileup in F1 in a long time, it takes two to tango. If we have a crash, it's going to be two guys out. The under could be tough. Uh, I don't like betting against a safety car here because they're so prevalent, because they do happen. Um, They happened last time we were here in 2019. Granted, that was due to some some wet track and some a little bit of sloppy racing from the Ferraris. Um, That's like the number one rule in racing is don't crash into your teammate. Um, that's just like, <laughs> just like a terrible play. Um, but speaking of both Ferraris, um, the other, the only other bet that I'm going to be taking. So I've got three bets and Joey and I are pretty much in agreement here. Um, Verstappen leader after first five over 17 and a half drivers to finish. But the other one that I really, really like is both Ferraris in the top six. Um, Getting that at plus odds at plus 135, I think is really, really good value. Um, Watching Carlos Sainz stay in front of Sergio Perez today was honestly fantastic. Um, Watching the way that he was able to use his battery and was able to keep the life, uh, which I really didn't think he was going to be able to do it, but the way that he was able to keep the life in those soft tires and really, really battle Perez was honestly impressive to me. Um, I think that overall, I don't know if he's going to be able to stay third, um, especially with Hamilton charging up the pack. Sergio's a really good starter. We saw it last week. Um, but I do think that he stays in front of Lando. I also think that it's very easy for Charles to pass Lando and and get that and get that sixth place. Um, I think if they do get top six, I think they're five and six. Um, I think we see Mercedes Red Bull one, two, three, four. Um, but the McLaren has been struggling for pace here a little bit. Um, Lewis almost got past Lando today without DRS. I mean, DRS always helps, especially down the back straight of this track that's that's literally a go-kart track. Um, but the Ferrari, since they've made those updates in Russia, um, Charles was the first one to get that update. Um, Science got it in Turkey. I mean, they have done a fantastic job with that engine. Um, 
we all know the the fans that have been around a little bit longer know what happened in in 2019 um where ferrari got a pretty big slap on the wrist for what they were doing with their engine we assumed that they were just leaking oil into the cylinder heads and creating so much power that they were just able to nab pole positions left and right um last year they struggled they looked almost as bad as they did in the 80s um tons of retirements incredibly unreliable car poor finishes um but they have made leaps and bounds to get back to fighting for a top three position um they've been in the position to 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 almost win races this year um we saw signs leading russia uh before he had a little bit of tire trouble um and we've seen them get podiums this year um i don't think that the two of them out outside the top six is is super unlikely i think that both drivers are very capable um like joey said earlier where i i'm a huge charles fan uh joey's a big charles fan i really like the way that signs has been able to handle this car this year um I would say that he has done a better job handling the car than somebody like Danny Rick has done in McLaren. Yes, Danny Rick won a race earlier this year uh, at Monza, but I think overall, as the season has progressed, I think Sainz has been able to get the car under him a lot better, and he's been able to race the car a lot better. Um, so at plus 135, I'm, th- I'm, I'm really teetering between one and two units here, but I'm leaning towards two units. Um, I think that if they don't both get top six, it's going to be, it's going to be Pierre, uh, sneaking up past Charles. Um, I just don't, I love Lando. I really do. And I love McLaren. I just don't think that they have the race pace this weekend. I saw it in practice. I just, I want them to do well. It's just that, that I don't see it. Um, and, and we've got a 71 lap race tomorrow. It's, it's just going to be, I think it's going to be really tough. Uh, I think it's going to be really tough for, for one McLaren fighting two Ferraris. Um, yeah, so so yeah. that's where I'm at. I think that's the biggest thing there is there's two Ferraris. Yeah, and they can play the McLaren. team game. And I'm, my, my, look, I like Charles. Um, I like a lot of these guys. My favorite driver is Danny Rick. I feel like he and I are, you know, some sort of rekindled <laughs> spirits. Um, but it is one of those where this, the the way he's driving the McLaren, um, is not the same way that he drove the Red Bull. Yeah. And the, the uh, what makes that a little bit difficult there is just that he's the type of driver to stick his nose in, brake late, and and really get the car in front. Um, and he's not as comfortable doing that with the uh, with the McLaren. Um, that being said, they need points this weekend. I guarantee you Zach Brown has sat him down um, and said, hey, Danny, we need points because we need to compete with Ferrari. Yeah. Um, do, not, <laughs> do not get in a wreck. Do not stick it where it doesn't belong. Um, I will say that there is one bet that – I am considering taking, um, and that is, it's either, it's first driver to retire from the race, um, or it's first car to retire from this race. Um, I'm leaning towards Sergio Perez. Now this is plus 2000. 
and the car is plus 800 so depending on how i do that um the reason why i say that is just because we've been talking about it before sergio perez is a guy who hasn't had any sort of issues with his car except for really early with the electronic stuff yep um and it just feels like there's almost a part of me that thinks that honda can't be this reliable and sergio can't be this lucky in terms of like him getting out of like situations unscathed um austin with no drink and stuff like that was a hot race um i know that's not really good for a retirement but it is just to be saying that red bull may have some issues um their pit stops haven't been going as well um there is kind of that mentality that i'm going to translate from other sports is when you're winning in the second half and you don't really think you're the better team sometimes you kind of like let go of the little things that brought you into the winning zone um i think that red bull may have this um you know checo after mexico like that's his home race um he might just not be on top of it he was with his family um there is just a part of me that thinks that he may not be on it so putting that you know down for 0.1 unit um and possibly getting two in return is kind of juicy for me um it's not something that i'm officially taking yet I'm, i'm i'll go ahead and tweet those out um before the race tomorrow but it is one of those things that it kind of tickles my interest just because um you know the guys that are not going to retire up on that list are like danny rick and lando and i think that's due to mclaren knowing that they have to finish yeah um and red bull at plus 800 to have a car retire max is also super high i get that number though Max to retire first is literally because at second, he's going to get off the line and stick his nose in, and it's going to be Botas and him, and somebody's going to have to get out of the way. Yeah, the chances uh, of the two of them crashing out are, uh, I think, a little bit uh, higher than any fan would like to admit right now. Yeah, that, yeah, and so I, there's just part of me that thinks that, you know, Sergio is a wizard, uh, but even then, guys like him aren't necessarily Im- immune from having uh, just, you know, kind of, they, sometimes you just go out and lay an egg. And I think Sergio, if I was, I'm thinking about just taking a little bit of a flyer lie and thinking that he kind of lays an egg tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I really, like, honestly, I really hate betting against guys not finishing a race. Um, yeah. Because being an athlete that raced uh you know to not finish a race is just heartbreaking um but i don't necessarily hate it for you know a quarter unit or 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 a tenth of a unit right to because it's plus two thousand um i mean it's it it's not something that I would be rooting for, and I would be very, very, very content making the bet and watching it lose. Um, just at you know the the very slim hope that you know something does happen. Um, I think that we've seen just so much reliability that this is very much a race where you know anything can happen. Um, I do think that I liked your Danny Rick, uh, your Danny Rick take. He is one driver along with 
Um, Carlos Sainz, and there's one other, it might just be the two of them, that have finished every single race this season. Yep. Um, so looking at Danny Rick, plus 1,600. Um, and Carlos Sainz, uh, plus 2,000. I mean, I, I don't love them, um, but it is, it is worth a thought. Um, but I do think that, you know, I think that we're in for a fantastic race. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited. I think that we're going to see some sparks fly for Hamilton and for Max. I think um, this isn't really something this, – this isn't something you can bet. Um, but just talking from a, fan, from a fan standpoint, I think Lewis is a shoe-in for driver of the day tomorrow. Um, I definitely think that he can take a podium, uh, a race win, especially if Max is in first, I don't think is, is super likely, but a second or third, I think is absolutely in the cards. Yeah, I, I agree that I am really excited for this race, mostly because it's as much up in the air as we've had all season. Yep. Um, like that's the most exciting part to me is that we really don't know what's going to happen. And anyone who's sitting here telling you that they actually do know what's going to happen, um, is definitely not talking to you. Honestly, that's why, that's why we're in agreement on three things that have plus 120 or greater odds because the long shots, um, seem to be more in play this week than they have in the past. I agree. Yep. Um, I think that, you know, there's one thing that I would really like to see. Um, I don't think that Mick Schumacher has gotten enough love this season. Um, I think part of the reason for that is because the Haas is so bad. Uh, For anyone that doesn't fully understand and they just see a terrible Haas car, Haas basically made the decision at the end of the last season that they were not going to build a 2021 car. Um, They would modify it as much as they needed to to be able to work with Ferrari's new engine, who is their engine supplier. And they were going to put all of their focus into next year's car when the regulations change and basically the playing field pretty much levels again. We've got a salary cap now. Um, It's going to be a lot more even playing field from here on out. And I'm very excited to see what happens. But I do think that Mick has gotten the absolute most that he can out of the car. He's gotten that car, which is basically last year's car, into Q2 uh, this season. And I think that is fantastic. Um, I think he has a lot of weight on his shoulders, given that his dad is one of the greatest Formula One drivers of all time. Um, it's him and Lewis Hamilton and the and, and you can you can choose whoever you want to be your your number one driver out of those two, but the two of them are the greatest ever race, and it's not close. There's no discussion on that, in my opinion. Uh, but I do think that he deserves some credit for how well he has been able to handle the car this year. Yeah, Haas is my uh, Haas is my sneaky best of the rest team next year. I agree. Um, I know that's not necessarily a super sexy pick. But I like, I like Gunter. I like what that team did 
three years ago, and I think that they're primed if they really are, you know, they're the team that the salary cap is most going to help. They're the team that not spending this year is really going to help them next year. And they're also the team with two young, good drivers in that um, in that best of the rest field. We really don't know how good Mick could be, um, mostly because he's really been hampered by the car this year. Yeah. Uh, I... Uh, you know, is he Pierre Gasly? Well, you know, that's a tough, tough spot to be, but um, I think he's way closer to that than we're giving him credit at all. Um, and I think that's just kind of a a thing about how um, the Haas, like you've been saying, has been so bad this year that there's no reason to even think about it being good. Yeah. Um, but Haas next year, I think, is due to way outperform where people think it's going to be. Um, and I'd love for uh, for Gunter and the boys to uh, to really prove the world a little bit wrong and show that they can compete. I agree. That, unfortunately, I could talk about F1 all night, but that's all we've got time for. Be sure to follow Parmesan Picks on Twitter, where Joey will be laying out all of his picks as well as you know the picks for this race and football and everything else that we bet as electric factory every week um and be sure to check out our no f's podcast every week wherever you listen to podcasts thanks for listening guys